Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, great to see you all. And um, my name is Matthew, as you've heard. Um, I'm a member here at this church, and uh, it's great to be here each week to be able to worship together. Most of my time, I realize uh, I'm actually sat at home typing. That's most of what I do during, during my, my working time is working at a computer. So if partway through the service I start just doing this because I've been doing it all week, you'll know why, okay? It's just because I, I do too much of that. Um, we've been looking at emotions and how they control us. And uh, Tracy was asking earlier on, before we prayed, what have you learned from this? And uh, it occurred to me that one thing that I've picked up over the last few weeks, um, quite personal, I don't know if any of you would relate to this, I don't see myself as a particularly emotional person, right? If somebody were to say, are you an emotional person? Would you put your hand up, right? Julie says she would. Some people might be doing that. Others might be doing this. So uh, you might mean by that, and I guess you would mean by that, do you display your emotions a lot? Are they on the outside? When we think of an emotional person, that's what we're normally thinking about, isn't it? Somebody who displays their emotions. But what I've come to learn a bit more during these few weeks is that even though I don't see myself as an emotional person, and you won't see me probably, you know, leaping around and shouting and hugging and crying and all of this, yet my emotions are still there, and they are very powerful because they affect the way that I live. So everybody, I think, is actually emotional, very emotional. We just don't display it necessarily. And sometimes it's those of us who, who don't display our emotions so much. There's nothing wrong with that. But those of us who don't display them so much that have the most difficulty trying to understand what our emotions are doing in our lives. So, so maybe, uh, like me, you've, you've found this beneficial too. I, I really hope you have. Finding out how um, fear, uh, guilt... Envy, these kind of emotions can have a real effect on our lives, even though we might not look as if uh, or speak as if they are. Well, today's talk is a little bit different from the others. Now, don't worry if this is the first one that you've been to. Uh, sometimes it's not really great seeing the last episode of a series, is it, on the telly, because you've got no idea what came before. But, but each of these talks is standalone, all right? So you don't have to worry that you haven't been to the others. This one stands on its own. But it is a little bit different because today's subject is particularly for Christians. It's particularly for people who are following Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, no matter whether it's been a short time or a long time, you're part of the church. This talk is for people who are part of the church. It has implications for you. Now, if you're not following Jesus... Um, you know, if, you're, if you've decided not to, or if you're just coming along and you're thinking, will I or won't I? Right now, this talk isn't really for you in the same way. However, even though you're off the hook, uh, in a sense, I think it's good that you, you, you listen to it because this will give you a, a clearer understanding of what it means to live a Christian life with other people in community, like church. Okay? So it's for Christians. And um, we're going to be looking particularly at one, um, one question which our emotions can affect. And the question is this. If you see your Christian brother or sister, somebody that you love, somebody that you know well, saying something or acting in a way that has the potential to really wreck their own faith or somebody else's, what do you do? 
What is our responsibility in that situation? That's the question. Do you see how that applies to Christians more than other people? Right? So if you see your Christian brother or sister acting or speaking in a way that has the potential to wreck their faith or somebody else's, what do you do? What do you do? You might want to think about that. Have you ever seen? Have you ever been in a situation like that? Have you ever noticed a brother or sister say something that maybe caused really big offense to somebody in the church and they didn't know that they'd done it? (laughs) And it had the potential to really wreck that other person's faith. Ever seen that? Or have you ever um, done something like... um, I don't know, maybe you invited, uh, or you, you, saw, you saw somebody uh, invite a new Christian to do something, which you think, that isn't going to help their faith. That's actually giving them a, a, a not helpful a, a example of what the Christian life is. Have you ever seen that? I have. I, I've, I've experienced those things. Um, and I'm sure there's many other possibilities, too. And when I think back through my own life, what I realize is, um, in my own experience, generally speaking, even when I see that kind of thing happen, unless I know the person really, really well, I don't get involved. And, and, and I think sometimes that I've justified that by saying, that's kind of the polite thing to do. <laughs> you know, uh, we, uh, we don't get involved with other people's business. We don't tell them that what they're doing is maybe unhelpful. We don't... You know, we don't do that. We respect them uh, and, and, and so on. Those are the kind of things that I tell myself. But actually what I'm, what I'm realizing now maybe is that there might be emotions that have been working underneath the service that were pretending that they were politeness and other nice principles like that. And those emotions were fear and indifference. Fear that if I go up to my brother or sister and say, are you sure you should be doing that? Really is, I don't think that's really helpful. That they're going to say, mind your own business. I don't like being rejected. Right? So, so I might be fearful of that. Or it could just be indifference, like I don't care about them enough. <laughs> so I'm not going to go and get involved. But both of those are emotions, do you see? And they're pretending to be something else. Those hidden emotions, like currents under the water, that we... We don't necessarily recognize, but actually they affected me and they meant that I didn't get involved in that situation. You ever had anything like that? Maybe you have. So what did Jesus say about this? We're going to look at a Bible passage and we're going to leap straight into the middle. And we're going to look at this verse. It's in Matthew chapter 18. Verse 15. It's going to be up on the screen, but if you like, you can also look at it in the Bible in front of you. I think it's really good, actually, sometimes to pick up the book and realize that these are not just words that we choose and throw up on the screen, but you can read them for yourself, and you can read around them as well. So if you want, you can find it on page 695. 695, Matthew's Gospel. These are words that Jesus said. Um, And these are talking to... Uh, he's talking to all his disciples here. If your brother or sister sins against you, go and show him his faults. <laughs> right? That we're going to stop there for a moment. But this is what Jesus said, isn't that? Ah, <laughs> I don't like that at all. If your brother or sister 
sins against you, go and show that person their fault. I want to run a mile when I hear Jesus say something like that. That's the last thing I want him to say. In fact, if you're not a Christian this morning, you might think, well, there's a great reason for me not to pursue this any further. That's way too embarrassing. But what we need to do is look at the, the, the context, the bigger context. So we're going to dial back a little bit, uh, press rewind, and go back to the beginning of this chapter and see where Jesus is coming from. So, uh, Deborah, if you could do that for us, take us back to verse 1. So this is uh, the disciples, Jesus' followers, talking with Jesus. They ask him a question. Uh, they came to him and asked, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Jesus called a little child and had the child stand among them. And he said to the disciples, I tell you the truth, unless you change and become like, this, like, like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever becomes, who welcomes a little child like this in my name wel- welcomes me. All right, that sounds good, doesn't it? So, um, to, become, to be a follower of Jesus involves um, becoming vulnerable. It, it, it involves allowing, uh, saying uh, goodbye to total control of our lives. And, and like a child coming to Jesus and saying, I'm yours, please lead me. All right, you have to become like a little child. Now, let's move on. Verse 6, but if anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, so remember, he's not, just, he's not talking about children here, he's talking about those who believe in him, who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a large millstone wrung <laughs> around his neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. I didn't choose this Bible passage. All right? <laughs> but, but we've got to deal with the things that Jesus said, Right? A huge millstone, you know those enormous stones, maybe you've seen them if you've been to a museum, massive heavy stone, put around their neck and drown in the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to sin. Such things must come, but woe to the man through whom they come. Okay, we're just going to stop at that point for a moment. Uh, In some other translations of the Bible, including the one I normally read, it, it uses the word stumbling block. A stumbling block. If any of you causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, to stumble in their faith, then the consequences are bad. They're big. There's another image that we find in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul later on talked about um, some people who had been deliberately... uh, just kind of twisting the gospel, twisting the good news, and, and getting into awful mess, and causing other people's faith to get in a mess as well. And he uses this word shipwreck. He said, these, these people have shipwrecked their faith. I think he's talking about a similar kind of thing here. Shipwreck your faith, stumbling in your faith, a big thing that you fall over, and it could just be the end of your faith. How important is this? Let's keep on reading. Uh, Eight, please. Uh, Jesus said, if your hand or your foot causes you to sin, 
cut it off and throw it away. Everyone not heard this one before? Well, you've all heard it before. All right. Still shocking though, isn't it? Even if we've read it many times. Cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. What is Jesus saying here? What is he saying here? Yes, he's saying that these, uh, you know, if there is something in your life that you're allowing to be there that could jeopardize your relationship with God, it is not worth it. Get rid of it. Whatever it is that you allow in your life that is jeopardizing or could damage your relationship with God, it's just not worth it. Get rid of it. Our relationship with God is that important. Okay, let's keep reading. See that you do not look down on these little ones, uh, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Keep going, please. Now, what Jesus is going to do, he's going to tell a story. And this is a story that you might have heard before, and I think maybe his hearers might have heard it before as well. But he puts a bit of a different twist on it, because think of the context we're in. We're talking about if a brother or sister stumbles. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go, for the look, go and look for the one who wandered off or stumbled off, I suppose you could say? And if he finds it, I tell you the truth, he's happier about that one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any one of these little ones should be lost. So do you see how this is a bit different to the way we normally hear this story? Normally we're thinking about going out, spreading the good news. But in this case, what we're talking about is somebody who has stumbled off, wandered off from the faith. And how desperate God is that that person should be restored and brought back. We know that because he says one of these little ones. And now we've got to verse 15. Now we've got to verse 15. If your brother or your sister sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. I wonder if you've ever had to do this or if you've ever had somebody come to you uh, I've had this, and uh, it's not nice. <laughs> it's, uh, it's difficult. If somebody comes to you, when somebody's come to me and said, Matthew, you know, that attitude that you've got is hurting other people in this group, in this church. Um, I remember a time a number of years ago when I was actually in a meeting. It was, it was, a, it was a meeting of Christians, a small group together, and it, we were having to deal with some quite difficult stuff. And I thought it was going really well, and I was just kind of off at the side like this. And at the break time, one of my friends came up to me, personally, very, very dear to me, a work colleague, came to me and said, you've got to get engaged. You've got to get involved in this. You cannot sit out because what you're doing is destroying the meeting. I thought she should mind her own business. But actually, after about five minutes, I realized she was absolutely right. And I look back on that, and I think, I'm so glad 
that she said that at the time. I'm so glad. But you see, one of the good things in that situation was that this person took me aside at a break. They didn't confront me right there in public. Took me aside at a break. This is a person I knew that cared about me, that knew me well, and said, you need to deal with this. And so when we see a brother or sister who who could get in a situation where their, their faith or somebody else's faith gets shipwrecked or stumbles, this is what we do. We go just to them privately, in love, and we say, do you mind if I just mention this thing to you? We have to be really careful how we do it. Surround it with prayer. Then what? Oh, and look, if, he, if this person listens to you, you'll have won your brother or sister over. Uh, you know, I feel about that. I look back on, on when that happened, and it's happened, not more than, it's happened more than once. I'm really grateful. That person has a part in my story of faith now. If you do this for somebody, they might reject it. But if they accept the word that you bring, you've done them a huge, huge favor. And they'll bless you for it, and they'll bless God as well. Okay, but if they don't listen, take one or two others along so that every matter will be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So this is escalating it slightly, okay? I think there's also, uh, hold on, Deborah, hold on. Step three is not, not there yet, that's it. So another benefit of this, though, is, uh, you know, I misread situations all the time, okay? So say if I go along to, to um, talk with Athos, right? Okay, I'm sure Athos won't mind me saying this. So I go along to Athos, I say, look, Athos, uh, brother, you've got to stop doing this thing, all right? And he says, no, mind your own business. Then what I might do is I go and talk with with Somebody else who knows Athos really well, who is trustworthy, a mature Christian, and I say to them, look, do you think maybe we should talk together with Athos about this thing? And if they say, Matthew, don't be stupid, (laughs) then I know that it maybe isn't an important thing as I thought it was. So it gives us a chance to check, which is really important, okay? But it's also giving the opportunity to escalate it just in a controlled way. Uh, right, and then if that person, let's forget Athos for now, uh, if that person refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if the person refuses to listen even to the church, then treat that person as you would a pagan or a tax collector. What does that mean? What does that mean? I used to think that means you have nothing more to do with them. I don't think that anymore. I don't think that's what Jesus is saying. I think what it means is this. These are the steps... Remember, we're talking about within the church, okay? These steps assume that the person that you're talking with is working from the same set of basic assumptions, the same worldview, a biblical approach, a faith approach to life. And in that, within that, you can go to them and you can work on things, right? But if you get to this point, what, you, what you've found out is actually... The two of you are operating on completely different worldviews with different values. And therefore, it's time to just say, okay, this is not my responsibility anymore. Okay? Does that make sense? And that's, that's what it means by saying treat them as you would a pagan or tax collector. It doesn't mean you have nothing more to do with them. It just means you're not responsible for their actions now. All right? You love them, but you can let it go. 
This is really, really tough, isn't it? And, and maybe you're thinking, I can't imagine, I can't imagine ever being involved in this kind of thing. But let, let, me, let me just say this. Let me put it as a question. What kind of person would? What kind of person would do this for you? What kind of person would? Somebody who's not fearful. Fearful of me rejecting them. Somebody who's not indifferent to the way that my spiritual life is going. Somebody that loves me enough to risk it and come and talk with me. So they're not controlled by fear. They're not controlled by indifference. Instead, they're compelled by the love of God in them. That's the kind of person who would do this and do it well. Yeah? You know, we can say that because the kind of person who would do this and do it well, I'm not just talking about somebody who goes around you know, nitpicking everything. That, that's, not, that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about somebody who, who, who really loves and who, who can speak with his sincerity from the right motives. It's not to make them feel good. It's to, it's to help. That kind of person is in tune with God's heart because that's what God's heart is like. You know, God did not fear did not fear getting involved with me and you. God did not fear the chance that I might reject him when he came looking for me. God was not indifferent to me and my life and my problems. God loved me and you so much that he came and he got involved in our lives. He sent Jesus to die for us, to demonstrate his love. And then he rose again to show that he is a, a living God that we can know and we can walk with day by day. And he's got it all in his hand. That's God's heart. So people who are following God's heart are going to do this when it's necessary. It's not necessary too often, but when it's necessary, we'll stand up and do it in the church. Okay. See, again, why I say this is a message for Christians. But if you're not a Christian this morning, you will see that this is part of what it means to follow God. You know, I don't know about you, but one of the things that, that I really struggle with nowadays, you know, I, I watch the news a lot and, and uh, read the papers and so on, is that there's so much untruth around there is so much untruth, and it just seems like people can flip what they say the truth is in order to meet their, their needs at any given time. And I've had enough of that. I don't like that. But in the church, what we're about is saying yes to God and helping each other honestly. And I want that. See? Maybe you want it too. So... That's what we're going to do. That's what, that's what we're talking about, saying no to the ways that fear and indifference can sometimes control us. They can masquerade as being polite or keeping out of other people's business or whatever. But compelled by God's love, there is a time and a place for helping a Christian who might just go and shipwreck their own faith 
or somebody else's unless we reach out a hand to them. Does that make sense? So that's the, that's the challenge, and I know it's a really, really challenging one as well. You know, if you're not sure about it, come and chat and uh, maybe ask Tracy, because <laughs> I'd much rather you ask her about this than me. And, uh, it, you know, it's, this is tough stuff, but, but ask about it. Ask, ask for help. If you've got a situation that you're dealing with, you know, pray about it and talk with somebody carefully in a, in a, in a, in a, in a good way about this and see if we can't move things on. For now, I'm going to pray because we all need God's grace and we all need God's wisdom no matter where we are in life, right? So I'm going to pray for us and I'm going to hand back to Tracy. Lord God, we thank you that you were not afraid to get involved in our lives. You are not indifferent to, to, to us and to our, our sin and to... Uh, the things that other people have done to us as well. You're not indifferent to any of that. You're not indifferent to the suffering of this world. But compelled by your own love, you came and you got involved. And you have done that in such a gracious, such a loving, such an amazing way, Lord. We just want to fall down and, and, uh, and say thank you and worship you. Thank you for doing it for us. And Lord, in the times when it's necessary, we pray that you would give us the grace and fill us with your spirit so that uh, when we need to talk with a brother or sister in this kind of way, that they know that we are doing it in line with your heart. Build us up, we pray. Give us the wisdom that we need to deal with the difficult things in our lives that we might face this week even. Give us your grace. Fill us with your spirit and teach us your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.